Welcome to Guys 5 Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelicone. You are listening to episode 194 of the podcast, and we continue Hodgepodge Halloween this week, focusing on 1977 Centerfold Girls and 1998 Tomy. Or Tomei. <laughs> um Tomy. Tippy tippy day day. Um <clears throat> so Frank, uh what um what uh is the kind of like if you can come up with some key words or key phrases uh links these two things together these two movies um so i think it's they're both interesting looks at ob- the objectification of women um based on their beauty and um just a really different approach in in each to i don't know what you would say like that problem or um kind of like who's really to blame for society's kind of fixation on beauty um yeah. centerfold girls is a much more traditional you know horror movie look at it where um the killer blames it on you know softcore pornography basically like the the centerfold magazines you know hence the title um tomei is much more supernatural where she's kind of a siren but then i think it's a really interesting look at like how men react to a beautiful woman and kind of like a man blaming a woman for you know like leading him on or you know she was being too seductive or whatever so it's especially in our our modern world where I think we're a lot more hyper aware of things like Me Too culture and um, I, like, I, I don't know if this is even a correct term where like things like slut shaming or whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, shaming a woman for being like sexually active. Um, I think that that's an interesting look and especially from the perspective of uh, Japanese creator where the Japanese are much more um, traditional and reserved when it comes to um, sexuality even in terms of like their pornography um yeah so i i don't know i mean this was i picked centerfold girls because centerfold girls has been one of those really weird movies that i've known about for a long time and not to like spoil too much but it's never going to be good enough to make like a list anywhere right because um, right. it's just a weird weird fucking movie um but i think we're talking about and tomei um i don't know i mean maybe it would have made a list at some point but we missed it kind of in the 90s um i don't know why i didn't put it on in the 90s i really really like it has this kind of special place to me um in terms of like that late 90s japanese horror because i think it's it's so different in a lot of its approach um but we'll talk about it when we get there so Mm -hmm. So what is I mean? What is it about Centerfold Girls that, like, uh, 
you think is interesting enough to talk about? So I think that there's an element of centerful girls that kind of predates um, a lot of the serial killer um, sort of mania of the 1980s in terms of when I was young, there was a lot of fear about the idea of serial killers because it was, you know, people were just starting to kind of know about um, profiling and whatever. And there was a lot of really infamous serial killers that were active when we were children. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that Centerful Girls has one of the, like cardinal sins of 70s horror which is the weird um easy explanation of like why the killer is a killer right like we talk about giallo um a number of times where you point out that well they were abused when they were young so obviously they're going to murder people now and be like a sexual deviant and it's like not necessarily um a conscientious or like modern look at it, but you have this killer in centerfold girls who's obsessed with the idea of murdering basically the playmate of the month in this magazine he has that's broken out by like a different woman every month. And so he targets these women. Although the funny thing is because the magazine is, you know, a magazine and um, double-sided, like each page has a picture on it. Mm-hmm. He can only... And he can only go after the women like each other month because he's got to cut their faces out. Right. So he basically destroys the woman on the other side's picture. So he can only do January, March, um, May. uh. So never really identified like why he's a deviant, but he feels like women it's sort of implied that it's like a, like a, a religious, um, aversion to women exposing themselves um in magazine and print um so there's the the general like normal plot of like the stalker going after the people and trying to you know like to murder them or whatever Mm -hmm. but the thing that i really find interesting about centerful girls is that each of these women is a normal person who lives a normal life and just happened to pose for this magazine in order to earn extra money. And they are so poorly treated by like everyone else that's around them. So mm-hmm. you've got um this kind of Manson family group that um sort of like not really kidnaps, but holds hostage like the first woman the first centerfold, um, you know, this charismatic, like almost cult leader. And then these two, uh, lesbian or the one lesbian, like aggressive, whatever. And then there's people that like go to help her, but then the one guy tries to rape her. And it's just, by the time the killer gets to her, like she's already been like beaten and put down and, abused and he's almost like putting her out of her misery in a lot of ways and i think it's really weird it it was really off-putting and um shocking isn't the right word because this isn't like a really well-made movie where it like shocks you but Mm. 
I thought it was a really unique take on that to have, instead of just having the woman in peril by the obvious psychopath, it shows that that peril comes from all over the place. You know, mm -hmm. like this one woman, her car breaks down and she tries to get a ride home and these two sailors pick her up. So you think that the sailors should be, you know, like more respectable because they're in the military, but then they drug her and they right. rape her. And yeah, um, there's like the uh, the husband, the wife and like the husband, like, you know, wants to look out according, you know, for the girl and stuff like that. And then it's right. like, oh, and, and, and then he just really wants to fuck her right. too. Like, she accuses the wife accuses um, the husband of wanting to rape her. And like you think at first that she's just being like jealous, but then right. he does. Right. And is so turned off by the fact that like she's so psychologically damaged that she can't mm -hmm. even fight him off. Right. That oh it's too easy, you know, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. um yeah. no, it's a movie about how men are unsafe, I mean ultimately. And like, the fact that the the killer feels that the reason that he needs to murder these women is because they've been objectified by the media, they've been objectified in print, they're letting themselves be ruined by letting, mm -hmm. you know, by being photographed. Um and it's always like I, I think something it's an attitude that I feel like has been prevalent and maybe is still prevalent today, but definitely while like through most of our lives in the idea that, well, it's because of how she dressed, like she got what she deserved. She was asking for it. Like those things that, I mean, I hope that we've kind of moved away from as a society, like the thinking, right. um, but it's a driving force here. And that he thinks that like, he's basically proven right by the way that all these men treat these women um so it's definitely not a progressive film like you know but it also you know it 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 allows the woman to be victorious at the end like she you know ends up killing him at the end of the movie the the final girl so to speak mm -hmm. um who probably like i mean she's the one that gets like raped by the um the sailors or whatever and ends up sort of being clued into the fact that this guy is up to no good because she sees the centerfold magazine in the back seat with like the pictures cut out of it and realizes what's happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really weird horror movie. It's, it's very dirty feeling. Like it feels very cheaply filmed in the sense that, um, like the sets it, there, there's nothing elaborate about it. It's just these like three set pieces of these women getting like brutalized and killed and excuses to show nudity. And normally that stuff would just be like run of the mill. But the fact that there's that extra element of like discomfort in the sense of how these women are treated, it just made it a little more, um, a little more interesting to me. Um, again, something that I didn't think that we would ever have a, a cause to talk about. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those movies that I think that I think that watching it is, I think if you're an aficionado of horror and you want to see like kind of like a weird, there's a few of these movies in the seventies that are just non-traditional takes on like, you know, a pretty played out genre. And I think that it's, it's, it's interesting to see it like that. Um, yeah. Th this is an interesting film also from like, it's a uh, like story, like breakdown concept, like the conception of the film, like it, it, it 
I didn't I expected the first story like the girl to be the primary girl in it. So I was actually pretty surprised watching it that she dies. And then the next girl comes along. I was like, "Oh, okay, like this is the main character." <laughs> like the the it's like they pulled that little twist and that's clever, you know? And then it's like that character dies. And then you get like the third yeah. like final girl and I thought that was a really interesting concept. Um it it almost makes it like continuing like mini stories like you know like a almost like an anthology of these like a, like with the killer being the link between all of them, um, which I think is a really interesting thing. Yeah, and again, like something that kind of catches you off guard, like you just said, um, when you first see it, it almost feels like a weird anthology, but it's. It's so loosely connected, but it's there's that definite through line because it's the same killer and everything and the same motive. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I think I, I have to believe that the message here is unintentional. Like I uh, when I said earlier, it's like I think this is a movie about how men are unsafe. Um, I mean, just looking at the guy who like created the story of this, like he's like a dude that like worked on fucking Dukes of Hazard and shit like that. I mean. Um, I don't know if I necessarily see like that guy as like being like kind of like major progressive like figure whatsoever, but right, it's, like it's at, but but at the same time, mostly accidental. Yes, yeah. but at the same time, it ends up being in retrospect this movie that's way ahead of its time. Um, right, agreed. Where it's like no no man is unsafe. There's women that have internalized the objectification of attractive women um and then you have this serial killer who's like you know uh, uh a nice guy almost who's like trying to save them like through like some sort of probably like religious fervor um right. and it's just a serial killer um and it's like everyone is unsafe and it's like you know uh women are boiled down to nothing more than their sex and that is like all the world sees like you know um and I could see this movie being remade nowadays, um, like, and basically staying the same kind of if you wanted to make a pointed horror movie. Um, right. Uh, I, I could see it being remade today and be in working. Uh, like I said, it's probably unintentional, but uh, certainly in hindsight looks way ahead of its time. And I think that's, fascinating i was i was fascinated watching even though it's not a great movie i was fascinated watching it for the uh the way the story works and um for just how awful it was like truly just like you know situationally horrifying um for all those women but yeah it's funny because um i mean the the scene on the island is the most ridiculous obviously because sure it almost it's it, it's just it's it it's beyond like believable but it's funny because like the killer's almost like put out a lot of times because he man i just want to kill this woman but there's all these other people like trying to like mess with this woman like i don't got time to kill her right right yes it also had um some i, I don't want to make this comparison because they're not the same at all um but it um it has a Henry the Henry portrait of a serial killer vibe to it in the sense of like 
there's elements of it that feel like I shouldn't be watching this kind of, or it's, mm-hmm. and not, again, like not that it's anywhere near that level, um, but still like a very uncomfortable movie to watch. But I think, you know, I think worth watching in its own right. Like if you are okay with, um, nudity and or you know, the murder of of naked people, right? So. Yeah. There's another movie, and this just happened to be, this wasn't on purpose, but again, like when I sent you this list and then I started looking at it, I, I found it to be interesting and I thought they worked well together. Um, the 1998 Japanese horror movie, uh, Tomei, um, which is based off of a series of manga by um, Junji Ito, um, who's the creator behind um, Uzumaki that we've talked about previously. Right. Um you talk about any other Junji Ito? I don't know. Anyway, U- it feels Uzumaki, like... definitely. Yeah. I think there's something else, but I can't remember what it is. I mean, Uzumaki is Spiral, correct? Yeah, yeah, sorry, Spiral. Okay. Well, yeah, I just need to make sure um, that that was the same movie, but I think that's the only one. Yeah. Um. So, hugely influential um, Japanese manga artist, um, who I think is still alive and active, but really creative um psychologically interesting um characters with these really dour um hopeless kind of like stories um tomei is about a girl who continuously resurrects over time um she has the ability to clone herself they don't really talk about this um in the movie um, she can kind of push her psyche in, into other bodies and take them over and to continue her own lifespan. Um, and has the ability to seduce men to get them to do her bidding. And usually her bidding is to get them to kill or harass other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they end up taking her life in the end. Um, but it's almost like a like it kind of predates the whole ring thing with the idea of like mm-hmm it's a virus or like propagates by people experiencing it. And Tomei is the same way um, in the manga where um, by dying, she can like resurrect herself from different parts of her body. Um, and people become obsessed with like the idea of her. So mm-hmm. the first thing is that I'm glad you explained that to me because I legitimately didn't know if I un- fully understood that movie because I have such a bad time understanding like Japanese horror movies, well, it seems. The problem is that when the movie came out, so this is the first live action adaptation of Tomei. There's, um, I don't know, some large amount of manga and then there's anime adaptations of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um so it doesn't necessarily it's almost like a sequel to the manga in the sense that things have already happened and then there's there's a movie from i think it's 05 called tomei beginning that's the actual first chronologically like the first movie Mm -hmm. that this tomei movie is a sequel to um even though it was filmed like you know nine eight, eight or nine years later um it's an interesting look on the idea that on the surface, the monster, and that's part of the plot is the idea that um, Akiko or whatever her name is, uh, 
doesn't remember anything. She's kind of like an amnesiac um, that vaguely has some memories of Tomei, um, but took a bunch of pictures of her and had, I guess, um, superimposed the words Monster Girl um, on it. That you find out later, uh, Sukiko, sweet, sweet, sweet Kiko's, I think is how you say the girl's name. Um, um, so that that's the idea is that this eternal, like, creature that can seduce men, that that's the monster, but what the throughout the movie what they show is it's these men's reactions to this woman that's really like the monstrous thing and not even the men like the other like other women too you know like she's just somebody that's trying like she might not be a good person but she's just trying to live and people are continuously trying to to murder her because they're attracted to her or someone else is like getting her attention or um like they're driven insane. I mean, the the one guy's carrying her head in a, a plastic bag to start the film, mm-hmm. um, feeding her cockroaches and yogurt, you know, to try and like grow, like taking advantage of her as a because she grows from like a young child into a woman. And there's a really uncomfortable scene where she's still a child, you know, whatever, probably 11 or 12, and he's embracing her, um, confessing his love to her, um. And eventually you find out that um, Suikiko uh, was part of the reason that she died because she stole her her boyfriend. Um, And in the end, she becomes infected with Tomei and is kind of a carrier of her, um, as evidenced by the um, birthmark under her eye that she gains. But I didn't even think about this until after I'd watched both movies and sent you the list. But I think it's a really interesting look if you look at everyone is reacting to Tomei in some way or another. And it's all about this, this woman who's like beautiful and desirable and the reactions that other people have based on their own problems and psyche and stuff. Like the detective that's trying to look into the the case is obsessed with the idea of meeting Tomei. And he's not because he wants to solve her murder or figure out like what's going on, but just because he's a fucking creep, you know, like everybody's just out to, yes, to get what they can out of this this woman and it's almost like maybe she's just trying to protect herself in some ways you know like if she's continuously getting murdered maybe there's a reason why she's you know the way that she is and i thought that it was interesting because you know centerfold girls is obviously trying to place it firmly no matter depending on how you look at that movie it's either his religious predilection or it really is saying that you know it's society's obsession with like the naked female form and like fetishizing that um and then tome is almost the exact same thing you know it's that why do people do these things like why are these things happening to her is it because she's a monster or is it because inherently you know people do bad things and that men are kind of kind of can be scumbags you know um so yeah so what else you want to talk about with with these two and the other thing with tomei too and not to ask you a question then immediately cut you off um amazing score and soundtrack yes 
Um, yeah. So they, oh shit, world. Hold on, I gotta look up because I'm gonna recommend it. Because oh, so the pop pop band is called World Famous. Um, you can look it up on YouTube. Look up World Famous Tomei, and you get both the song that's played as like kind of like the motif through this movie, um, as well as some of their other music. Um, haunting, like mysterious. It's got a very um like otherworldly feel that there's like a poppiness to it but kind of like a disembodied poppiness I, I don't know how to explain it but it's got it really lends a great deal of atmosphere to this movie um i i, I love that song and yeah i'm gonna go just go ahead and just, just so people understand um if they don't look it up like um and just play like a little bit of this it very very much reminds me of like some sort of like kid a like radiohead type stuff at times like when it gets into like predating that obviously um so i can oh. yeah this this shit yeah But yeah, um, and that plays like at various points, like throughout the movie, and uh, usually really effective in the scenes that yeah. it's over and adding like uh, like a creep factor to it. So around this time, there's there's a an anime that came out right around here called um, Serial Experiments Lane. Um, that friend of the podcast, Mike Bloodsoe, myself. Um, our friend Aaron McHenry, we had all um, really kind of gotten into around this time. And I think there was this, it seems like like a English pop influence on Japan at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of get that, that feeling here because you've got like the jangly guitar and synth, which is really similar to kind of like a lot of the pop music at the time. But the detuned auto-tune of the voice mm -hmm. that's like vaguely english but you can never quite get like exactly what's being said i mean that's um it's pretty brilliant and the world that, that tomei lives in like no one is a good person really you know um so see suikiko you find out like was kind of responsible for tomei's murder um her best friend is cheating is like having an affair with Suikiko's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's just like terrible. And in the end it's, you know, that's the question is, um, is Tomei really like that bad? Is she really like the monster, um, that people make her out to be, or are they just kind of like reflecting themselves and what they see in her? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, um, it's also one of the few movies from this time period um, from, Asian cinema in Japan in particular that's not about a curse or a ghost or mm -hmm. you know I mean not that those movies are bad there's a lot of great films from around this time but definitely just like this the slightly off center real world setting of it um, without a lot of like that supernatural element that's really prevalent around this time I think is um, 
I think it makes it fascinating. It's one of the reasons why I put um when we did the nineties, um, the guard from underground or whatever that movie was called, the um uh Kurosawa, not Kurosawa. What's his name? So the guy, um the guy the cure and seance. That's, that's uh Kyoshi Kurosawa, right? Kyoshi, yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um why I put that movie on there because there's like so much supernatural stuff that having and I know that like the fact that she's an immortal whatever I don't know, insect monster woman something. Um but just the fact that a lot of the drama that comes in the movie is based on you know just kind of like the real world things that are happening with like these people's lives. Um, I, I found really fascinating. I, mm-hmm. I think it's a really, I think it's a really engaging and interesting movie. I think it's beautifully filmed. Um, it's not like you asked me a question once. I can't remember what you were watching, but like, does everything in Japan look the same? <laughs> um, and I actually think that this movie does a good job of kind of showing like a grimier side of like life in Japan. You know, that's not these the standard like you know polished wood floors with the tatimi or tatami whatever it's called um uh sliding doors and whatever like it's it's a very gritty grimy like lived in world that that these people inhabit so yeah um i'm trying to think i think it might have been this movie that i asked you that question um potentially yeah um it's just because the streets and the stairwells, like, you know, always like it, it reminded me of something like uh oh, see, that's what that's my problem is I get them all confused probably because like I'm, I'm probably racist or something, or like um but it's like I I what's the one which which series is the one with the like the father with the cat in the bag? Oh, that's the grudge series. That's the grudge one. series, yeah. It reminded me very much at times watching the the exterior shots in this of uh of the grudge. Um so, watching it. Interesting because that's another movie that tries to even though it's the ghost it's a ghost and whatever, like mm-hmm. a curse, really tries to flip kind of the perspective and away from like the Kwaidan, I don't know, traditional Japanese look to being something else entirely. Um, in terms of the the grittiness, the kind of um disassociative like emptiness of Japan in some ways, like how mm-hmm. people live in these tiny little boxes and are just sort of like by themselves and um you know, like even if they're in like these like big houses, those houses are so disconnected from everything else. I wish I understood. Um, wish I understood uh, Japanese culture a little more. Like, yeah, post post. It, it's really, it's really it's difficult really... with all foreign movies. I think in a lot of ways, for me at least, anyway. Um, because it's like there there's some stuff later in the month that we're going to talk about that is european and like i i read about it and it's like oh it's about like you know the civil war like you know these like political situations that are going on in this specific country yeah. like and stuff and it's like oh but okay it, because all, like i thought it was about this in all <laughs> um, fairness in all fairness to you though yeah. and i know i like i know what you're talking about obviously but 
that's interpretation. That's not necessarily the artist saying, this is what I'm talking about. That's someone else that's from that area saying, this is what I think. Mm -hmm. And I, I have my own ideas of what I think about what that movie mm -hmm. that you're talking so about. Is about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's the beauty of any art, right? That like anything that transcends just being like immediate, whatever, like visual feed, visual and like auditory feedback. Mm -hmm. Like something that really makes you think, I think, you know, it's why we were able to talk about The Shining at length, because there's so many different ways that you can interpret what Kubrick's trying to say, because Kubrick's not saying it sure. correctly. I mean, yeah. that same same thing, the lunch movies, when we talk about them, like Inland and Empire I, and stuff like that. I think that's actually one of the beauty, most beautiful things about Tomei, just, and I wouldn't like if, if you watch it because it's free on YouTube again, just search Tomei English sub and it comes up like right away. Mm -hmm. There's a whole series and they're all on YouTube. Um, if you enjoy this movie, I would say watch the other ones, but the other ones are not nearly as like ethereal and effective as this movie is. Um, I mean, there's a scene at the end where Sutiko um, realizes like what Tomei is and what she's done to Tomei. And burns her alive, like, you know, lights her aflame and then is basically infected with her her essence to the point where she starts to become Tomei. Um, one of the best scenes, like, at the end is, you know, she realizes she has this little birthmark under her eye that's, like, one of the key, you know, visual, like, signifiers of Tomei. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, there she is in the mirror next to her because she's in her body with her. Um, to kind of like continue her whatever. I don't know. I I think that movie's great. Um, and I think it's a really interesting look at like the object objectification of women, uh -huh. especially in like Japanese culture, where for a long, long time it was okay for a man to you know take liberties with a woman because he was the man, and there's very traditional roles. And I think that. I think that over time, like, again, like the rest of the world, they've kind of moved away from that. But, um, you know, just like with Centerfold Girls, it's an interesting look at, like, is it the woman's fault because she's a woman? Like, how do you blame somebody just for being who they are? Right. Like, how much of that blame falls on the other person for not being able to control themselves? And they don't really talk about it in this movie, but in the manga and um, subsequent films... There are people that can resist Tomei. Like, it's not like everyone immediately right. falls head over heels with her. Like, right. some people are able to control themselves. And that's like the more damning thing, I think. Not all men, right? I mean, right. Well, <laughs> you know, that's the most like, you know, damning thing is that there's these people who maybe they don't want to control themselves. Maybe they're, mm -hmm. you know, right. Just awful human beings. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. And it just but I really to be a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought it was an interesting comparison between the two. Um, yeah, it is. I, I didn't really like think of Tomei like uh, Tomi like so much that way. Um, like some of it I saw, but again, like I I tend to get confused. Um, I think with Japanese movies, um, because it feels like there's always like a story, like partial story that I don't know what that partial story is before I start watching it. Um. And they just have such a different way of storytelling that I, like, miss things between scenes. But, I mean, the Japanese, like, were really ahead of the curve in terms of um, 
almost like neckbeardism in a lot of ways, uh-huh. you know, of these um introverted men who didn't have the ability to um don't have the ability to really interact in a meaningful way with a woman but yet don't understand why they don't have you know like a sexual partner or girlfriend yeah right um not to cast too many aspersions here i find it like i think it's the it might be the tech nature of the country like being ahead of the curve technology wise i find that a lot in tech fields i think well you also look at something look at you know pulse is a good example cairo where Mm -hmm. it's these people who live in these tiny little apartments where they don't necessarily interact with their neighbors and everything that they get is fed to them through, you know, their media, their cinema, their anime, their manga. Um, and I'm not one that would ever blame like art on condition, but I think that if your condition is so poor or so skewed that sometimes you'll pull the wrong, you know, elements out of the things that you're watching. I think Perfect Blue is a good example of that. Um from a Japanese perspective, like the idol worship. Um, this movie, um, I think there's elements of that in Cairo, the idea that, you know, these people are so disaffected and disconnected from their peers that they want to, you know, just see anything. So they'll watch these scenes of like ghosts that cause them to like basically die. Um, there's a current, um, show on Netflix called mass girl. Do you know about this? Mm Mm-mm. Um, that takes the same idea, but does it from like, uh, um, only fans or cam girl, you know, streaming perspective, um, of a guy who really is painted to be like, you think is the protagonist of the show, but turns out to be the ultimate, like nice guy, you know, mm-hmm. and like the negative connotation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really interesting look at somebody, you know, how do we view people in real life versus how do we view someone that we see on a screen? Right. Um, yeah, I, I, it's really fascinating. I wish I knew a little more about, I wish I could speak with a little more authority on like what I'm saying, as opposed to just kind of me guessing. Sure. Um, and a lot of that stuff, you know, a lot of their mindset also comes from post-war Japan where, you know, there was the American occupation of Japan. Um, Japanese women were obsessed with like the American, men um both in like positive and negative ways and then the american men leave and um there's like almost a disconnect between like what is perceived as being like masculine and what's actually happening in the country with like you know these salary men who have to work 80 hours a week in order to earn a living and don't have any connection with like you know these women that have been elevated through like the idols or whatever. Um, and then the prevalence of like manga and whatever and anime and video games and kind mm-hmm. of that otaku culture of the shut in nerd or whatever. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's really weird and it's fascinating. And like, again, I wish I knew more about it, but right. I don't. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that covers like, um, most of the points and brings together your themes of that you started with. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so next week on hodgepodge Halloween, uh, we will be watching 
two movies. Um, one is 1981's Possession, mm. uh, and then the other one is 1990's Beyond the Door 3. Both of mm. those movies currently, if you want to watch them along with us before we talk about them, um, unfortunately are on AMC Plus, um, but both of them are on AMC Plus, so... You know, if you really wanted to be devout here and watch along with us, um, it is just one add-on for both of those movies. $8.99, because I just had to do it today <laughs> to watch yeah. Beyond the Door 3. Gotcha. Um, and easy <laughs> enough with Amazon Prime. So Possession was free somewhere else. Uh, it is not right now. No? I just looked it up, yeah. No, it was Prime. like a yeah. week ago or um, something, whenever I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, you were telling me that and like by that time it was already gone. It was almost like your uh what was what was the movie you're watching and then like the next day or whatever it was like Oh, friggin' Blood Games. Yeah, right, Blood Games. Yeah. Um that movie's off, trash off though. Yeah. Um all right, so uh thanks for listening everybody. We'll be back next week uh with um episode 195. Uh have a good week. Deuces.